y'all. Welcome to the Mofo Truth, episode two. It's been a little while, um, and that's what this episode is all about. I have not really rehearsed, not that I ever rehearse for a podcast, but usually I have some notes. Uh, but this time I'm just going to tell y'all my story of something that women deal with. And I really hope guys don't check out at this point because I think it's important for y'all to know about these things too. Um, but the reason I, it's been a while, actually, uh, I did the podcast, the first episode, way, like, way before it was released uh, because I had a surgery during COVID and everything because I have a condition called endometriosis. Endometriosis is, I'm going to try to explain it in a very simple, simple way. When a woman has a period or when, um, when a person has their period, their uterine line sheds and the blood is the period. For someone with endometriosis, that uterine line sheds, but it doesn't leave all the way. So for a person with a regular period, that uterine line gets all like aggravated during the time of the month and then, you know, cramps, uh, don't feel great, hormones, but once it's gone out of the body, the blood, it's, it's cool. For a person with endometriosis, those parts go to other parts of their body, like it might stay in the uterus or different things. And so when that time of the month comes and those cells get aggravated and all that, the cells from the past also get aggravated. So then they have like double the pain or triple or whatever the pain that they would have had if the cells left. So I had a, a, a case of it that only like 1% of women have, aren't I lucky? And uh, for pretty much since I've been having a period, it hasn't been a great experience. It's been painful, but it got really painful in high school where I would have to leave. And at the end of the year, pretty much make up days because I had missed so many because every month I would miss at least one. But the only come like the only thing I had to combat that was trying to exercise which I did a lot of and it didn't help and ibuprofen that was it I just thought that was how all people with the uterus felt during that time of the month and then I went to college and I was like I can't I can't miss school like that in college because if I like it's once or twice a week sometimes. So if you miss one thing in college, you're really behind. Not that Franklin was that much different. If you missed a day, you were pretty behind. 
but I I had a friend, may he rest in peace, his sister told me, or his cousin told me about, um, she was on a birth control, a shot, and that she used to have cramps like me, because we went to his family's house and I was sick. And she was like, yeah, I used to have cramps like you, but I started taking this birth control shot. So I made an appointment with a gynecologist and I was like, can I get the shot? And the doctor was like, well, you're going to gain like 20 pounds and your hair might fall out. And I was like, no thanks. But he put me on the pill. So throughout college, I was on birth control pill to control my cramps. But around my senior year, they changed my birth control pill and I started feeling really down and depressed. And I didn't know why, because life was good. Like, like nothing really to complain about. And one day I thought maybe it's the pill, so I stopped taking it and I felt better like the next day. I felt like not depressed. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. And when I went to see another gynecologist, he said that my body thought it was going to menopause, which for those of you who don't know, it's when like a person is done menstruating. So like your body thinks you're done. So I was having like, when, when people are like, oh, hot flashes, oh, hormone imbalance. I was having that as a senior in college. Uh, so I stopped taking birth control. And I don't know the real timeline. Um, well, let me say this. I've seen a lot of articles about how women, black women in particular, have a hard time getting health. Um, like people to take their pain seriously. And I think my tale is like that same old tale because I started in high school with the pain. All I had was ibuprofen. Had a birth control pill. It started making me sad. Stopped taking the pill. After that every month, bad cramps. I eventually got to grad school. And my last year, I think, of grad school, I was doing a film, I, I majored in film. I was doing a film where a woman, like it was like a ballet company, and the woman uh, comes in and she's a, she's an HBCU dancer, <laughs> like me. And she goes in and she does like all this like J setting type stuff and the judges are like, what? It's about like whether true dance is ballet or if true dance is a bunch of different things. Look at me trying to be deep. Anyway, my dancer flaked on me. I was just writing and directing it. She flaked on me, so I had to go and get some clothes and be my own dancer. After that, you know, like I was walking to my uh, residence hall, because I was an RA and we don't say dorm, and uh, my belly button hurt. Not like my stomach, but literally just the belly button. Like I poked my belly button and it hurt. And I thought that was weird. Um, my mom is a mom of, if it hurts, go to the hospital. She is not a wait and see person. At the time I had a Medi-Cal, which is California's uh, Medicaid. I was a student who had an internship and could not afford insurance. So I really appreciate California for helping me out. Um, so my mama told me to go to the doctor 
um, the next day or after the weekend, I forgot. But when I went, there was a holiday and the clinics were closed. But there was a hospital right near my residence hall. So she told me to just go to the emergency room because it really wasn't letting up. I went to the emergency room. I told them I had pain in my belly button. They did a, an MRI. I, I hope I'm getting that right. It's the, the thing where you have to drink this nasty stuff and they take pictures. And basically they saw so much inflammation that they said it was my appendix and that I would need to talk to a surgical consult in like a month and they gave me antibiotics which was weird because I always thought if your appendix was about to rupture they would take it out but they sent me home with antibiotics and I remember missing a class um I'm missing a class and I wrote my teacher or I wrote a student who was in the class with me to let the teacher know I couldn't make it I was leaving the hospital and I think my appendix is messed up or something and the teacher called me back like I did not have the teacher's number on there but he was like what do you mean they sent you home and your appendix is about to rupture and I was like, I guess. And he, he tried to call the hospital and stuff, but they, wouldn't, they couldn't tell him anything. Um, I missed homecoming that, that year because they scheduled my surgical consult the same day as Hampton's homecoming. And I was like, my health is more important than Hampton's homecoming. So um, the day I went in for the consult, I was sitting there, I was nervous, and I'm in San Francisco alone, I'm from New Orleans. Uh, I don't have any family in San Francisco. I have friends, family friends. And the surgeon comes in and he says, I don't think it's your appendix, so I'm not doing surgery. And I said, well, what do you think it is? And he said, and I quote, I don't know, I'm just a surgeon. And then he left. That was the end. That's what I missed homecoming for. Like that. So, um, I was kind of at a standstill. I kept going to amp, um, ambulances. That's not what I'm trying to say. I kept going to ERs and there was a teaching hospital nearby. And I feel like teaching hospitals try harder because like there's a bunch of different students really wanting to figure out the problem. And I like watching House and Scrubs. So I um, went there and they did another um, MRI thing. I'm sure it's not an MRI. It's something else. It's, I don't know. It's the one where you got to drink and they take these pictures of your body. And the inflammation had gone down because of antibiotics. So they didn't think it was my appendix. So it was actually good that the guy didn't do surgery. But they didn't know what it was. Um, I kept trying to go to doctors and see if something was wrong. I really thought it was something to do with maybe, you know, my painful periods because it would get worse around my period. But as my mom said, everything gets worse around your period. Like you can like break a nail and it's going to hurt more which period. But um, 
this is like the timeline is years. Like I, doctor, doctor, you're fine. Ibuprofen, doctor, doctor, cycle, cycle. Eventually my belly button started, um, there, there, these bumps started to appear in my belly button. Weird. These random bumps. And when I would have my period, they would bleed. So like if I was wearing a shirt, I would have blood on my shirt. Um, that's when I really started thinking it was something to do with my period. So I started Googling and I came across endometriosis. And I know if any doctors are listening, doctors hate when you diagnose yourself, but everything sound, sounded like me. And I thought if I went to a doctor's office and say what I thought it was, maybe they could test me for that. So one of the things they said was, if you think you have endometriosis, stop eating gluten, which is pretty much wheat, sugar, dairy, meat. I think that was everything. And, and those things are delicious, y'all. Like, I love sugar so much. So the one thing I was like willing to try, I was like, well, maybe one day, but for now, let me just try not to eat gluten, you know, like bread and stuff. Within the first week of not eating gluten, the swelling, like my body always felt really swollen. My body didn't feel as swollen. It used to feel like my body was gonna explode from the inside out all the time. But after not eating gluten, I didn't feel that way anymore. So I was like, well, okay, I stopped that. And, and it's weird because when you don't have a lot of money, it's harder in ways to cut things out of your diet. I'm sure like I'm probably wrong, but that's what it seems like. Like it's harder to kind of like give up a lot of things and eat like a organic lifestyle when you're you're not working full-time um so um i was basically self-diagnosed with this disease not knowing much about it just knew i stopped eating gluten i just was on my own i was sick of seeing doctors i was tired of it by this time maybe three years had passed maybe I don't know, uh, but something weird happened. My mom came from the doctor one day and she's like, my doctor, blah, 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 blah. Come to find out, he went to high school with me. There's a plane passing by, so I'm gonna let it pass. Okay, so he went to high school with me, but he was a junior, I think, when I was a freshman. Um, so I thought that was cool. I was like, I'm gonna start seeing him then, whatever. So I told him everything that had happened to me. And he was shocked that so many doctors had dismissed me. Even when I told them, like, I think I might have this, they were like, you're fine. Like straight up, they would be like, you're fine. When I'm like bleeding from my belly button. So he said, I'm gonna send you, I'm gonna, um, 
send you to an OBGYN. I'm going to send you to a dermatologist. I asked him, could I go to the learning hospital in New Orleans, the teaching hospital, because I just, I think they try harder. I don't know. And he, he set me up with that. But my appointment wasn't for like a month and a half and like two months later, because so many people. And I was a new patient. But he said, well, in the meantime, I know a dermatologist you can get in like next week. So if you, if everything goes well with this dermatologist, just cancel the other one. So cool. I went to this other dermatologist that's not at the teaching hospital. And um, what, what my doctor wanted him to do was to biopsy one of the bumps and test it. Because if I have endometriosis, it'll come back as that kind of tissue that's um, in your uterus. And that's how they know that tissue is different from like regular skin or whatever. So the guy tells me, the dermatologist, that he doesn't want to biopsy in my belly button because it could get infected, which I think is like dumb. Because anything, you, I can like paper cut and get infected, but whatever. But he says, uh, I don't want to do the biopsy because it could get infected. And then he says, if you think you have endometriosis, why don't you just have a baby? So first off, really? Like, he said it like having a baby was like, go get some chips from the store. Like, it was just something you could just do. Like, not that you have to be in, like, a financial place to do that. Not that you have to carry a baby for nine months. Not that, like, any anything. Like, just have a baby. At the time, I, I was not in a relationship. I was not thinking about no baby. I had a niece. I still do. I love her so much. And... That's enough for me right now. But he, he said, why don't you have a baby? Then he looks at my chart and he says, and I quote, oh, and you're 30, you better hurry up. And I'm just like, you know, I, I have comebacks for everything. But you ever have a point where like somebody says something or something happens and you're just like, I don't even, like, wow. Like, who was that, Dave Chappelle? He had a joke that was like, has someone ever said something that was so racist? You didn't even get mad. You're just like, wow, that's, that's racist. That's like how this was. Like, I was just like, wow. Like, that's, that's so many different things. Like, really? Okay. And I, I remember telling my group of friends, they could not believe that was a real story. It's a real story. I left that doctor. Uh, I told my friend, doctor, he couldn't believe that it was said. Probably should have reported it. Um, but eventually, I had my other appointment with other dermatologists. Out of all these times, I went to see these different doctors. This was the first woman I seen. All the OBGYNs that tested me before, all the stuff. Most, I think I had one other doctor like my general, the primary care in San Francisco was a woman. Everybody else was male who was telling me I was fine. This was a woman. She said, I'm going to do the biopsy because why not? 
She does the biopsy a couple, like a week or two later, it comes back as endometrial tissue. So after like five, four or five years of me trying to figure it out, self-diagnosing, cutting stuff out of my diet, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So end of the story, no, not at all. So now the thing about endometriosis is that it's hard to diagnose. The only way really to diagnose it, well, not only, the most common way to diagnose it is to have a, an exploratory surgery where they go in with a camera and they see if there's that kind of tissue in you. A lot of doctors are not just trying to have exploratory surgery on people like that. So a lot of women don't get diagnosed with this for, very, for like years. Um, I think the least amount of years might be like five to 10. So I was lucky in a sense because mine came to the surface through my belly button. I didn't have to get an exploratory surgery or wait for something worse to happen. Uh, so I'm diagnosed and I was actually told that it's weird that it, I'm, that's why I'm in the 1% that it came to my belly button because I never had a stomach surgery. So it wasn't even open to doing that. But at the same time, I'm lucky because some women have it in their brain and every, every time they have their cycle, they would seize. And that's how they found out they had endometriosis. So we take our blessings where we can. Um, anyway, and, and I'm sorry, like, um, I, I know I'm slipping. I want to say people who have periods because some people are trans but still have periods. So I know sometimes I'm saying women and I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to correct myself a little. Uh, I'm still learning things, so um, please bear with me. Uh, anyway, so I, I get a doctor, a woman doctor, white woman, and she's like, you should have the laparoscopic surgery, which is the little camera inside of you surgery that usually is to find the endometriosis, but usually when they find it, they remove it. So let me tell you about Louisiana. I was on Medicaid, I think is the right word. If I could get insurance, I would, I would, but you know, our time, gigging. So at the time, Louisiana, something was going on, but they were cutting people's um, Medicaid. So she scheduled my surgery for like March 13th. I'm just going to say, and my, my Medicaid was going to end on March 1st. So I couldn't get the surgery. So then for like years, I want to say three years, I dealt with this and I can't put into words everything, but I'll just say that during my, before my cycle would start, I would be sick. I would feel it coming. I would start bleeding from my belly button. First day, I could not eat. 
I would throw up. I would be in so much pain. I would cry. I could not move. The second day, a little less of all those other things. The third day, my body was so sore from the first days that I could not stand up straight to walk. So I started, I started doing more research. I cut more stuff out of my diet. I started using a TENS machine, which is like a miracle worker, which surges electricity into my stomach so that I could function. And you're only supposed to keep it on for like an hour. I would keep it on all day because I could not, like if I was out somewhere and the TENS machine stopped, I would immediately be going down. That's how I would know it stopped. And I think people, like I would tell people I had this, but when, when they would see me while it's happening, it would sink in like, oh, this is like bad. And I get it, like sometimes you hear people talking and you're like, oh, they, that can't be that bad, right? It, it's that bad, y'all. Uh, long story short, um, I got bit by a spider during Mardi Gras and I did not get spidey powers. Sucky, right? So I got bit by the spider um, doing one of these parades with the baby doll ladies. I thought I hit my leg because I was like acting a fool. I was doing splits and stuff like it's Mardi Gras. So um, I went, I did not have insurance. I do not have insurance. And so uh, my friend Ansel saw my leg and said, what happened? It looks like a spider bite. And I was like, well, I've been bitten by a spider before. I'm gonna just, you know, put some stuff on it. And then when I went home, it had gotten worse. And when I see, like, I'm the person, my mom's like, go to the doctor, period. I'm like, I ain't got no insurance, let's wait it out. So when I'm like, maybe I need to go to the doctor, Maybe, maybe I need to go to the doctor. So I, uh, I went to UMC, which is the teaching hospital in New Orleans, because I knew from when I went before, you know, when my friend doctor sent me over, that they had a program for people who didn't have insurance where they would pay part of your bill if you made under a certain percentage and my friend Toya who works there told me about this so I was like well at least I can go to the ER if it's nothing I can get the free care and if it's something I can be alive so I went and um the first day they were like uh if it gets worse come back which is so dumb like I'm here now I have a spider bite but I don't know why doctors do what they do they went to school for that I didn't go to school for that Two days later, it started hurting my, it was by my ankle and it started hurting when I would move my ankle to walk, which is worse than it was. So I went back and they gave me antibiotics and stuff. And I, I applied for the free care and I got it. So basically it meant anything I got done with them in their system was covered. So if y'all remember correctly, Mardi Gras happens and then COVID happened. Like 
kind of right after, well, the sh shutting down, COVID is still happening. Wear a mask, y'all. Um, I, I remember being in the hospital <laughs> and joking because like COVID was that thing that was over there. And we was like, oh, these masks, better get them now because y'all ain't playing with that virus. Ha, ha, ha. And then like three weeks later, it was here. Well, it was actually here then. We just ain't know. Anyway, I got sidetracked. I had a bad month again. It was one of my worst cycles. Really, really, really bad cycles. Uh, because at one point during COVID, doctors were saying, don't take ibuprofen or naproxen because they thought maybe the virus fed off it. They were like, only take Tylenol. And the thing about my cramps are that they don't, I guess, respond to Tylenol. So I tried not to take them and only take Tylenol. And I was like, I felt like I was going to die for it. I wrote to, I wrote, they have this little online engagement thing. I wrote to this hospital because I don't like talking on phones. You would think I would, how much I'm talking to y'all right now. And I wrote to them, when it's, you know, when everything's over, I would like to schedule an appointment to have a surgery for endometriosis. They got back to me like two days later and were like, we're not really doing anything. So want to have a phone appointment? And I'm like, cool. And I didn't think about it, but like, yeah, the OBGYNs and surgical team aren't really the COVID people. So they were like, we, you know, like, come on. I had a phone appointment first, probably because of COVID, where they talked to me. They had all my records before because I was there when they diagnosed me. So then they said, come in. I came in, mask, all that stuff. And they were like, we can do the surgery. We just have to make sure everybody is available. So the unique thing about my surgery is that it wasn't just the OBGYN people. It had to be the general surgery and plastic surgery. Because my endo was at my belly button, I would have to have my belly button removed. And, and they would have to reconstruct a new one, which is scary, scary to think about. But at this point, I was like, do what you gotta do. They asked who was available and the doctor who was around, who was gonna do my first surgery, but then my Medicaid ran out, she was back and at that hospital now and was the one who was going to do my surgery. It was like, I know everybody who listens to this is not necessarily a believer of God. I think that it's, it's good to believe in something. I'm not thinking everybody should believe in a certain religion or whatever, but I know like for me, there is someone higher than me. Because when I say I pray to God and I ask my ancestors help, because I believe that they're now like my angels. And I said, I want to have this surgery, but I'm nervous, I'm scared. I haven't had a surgery in a long time. So if this is what I'm supposed to do, make it so that 
there's no doubt. Like, I don't see anything that could go wrong. And if one thing is going wrong, I'll know it's you telling me not to have this surgery. And, and I, I've learned from a young age that when you, when you pray, you got to be specific. Because when I say it was to the point of like, when they were like, you have to go see these OBGYNs at Tulane. My insurance don't cover Tulane. But I was like, okay. And I was, I was in the middle of writing a text saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay for Tulane. When they came back in and they said, oh, we see you have free care. The Tulane people said they'll see you here, so it's free. Oh, okay. The doctor who was going to do my first surgery just happened to be at that hospital now. I was going to do my new surgery. Wow, okay. The um, time with, with COVID and everything happening, all these doctors were available to do the surgery for me. It was going to be covered. Like nothing was, like the prayer was being answered. Like no, there was, no, I could not find a thing to say like, no, it's not what I'm supposed to do. So I wasn't, I started getting less nervous about it. I was, I was excited. So the day of my surgery, it was stupid early in the morning. Um, I woke up, my mama bought me an outfit and everything. We're so, we're so cheesy. She bought me an outfit. She's so cute. But uh, <laughs> for the surgery and I went in and that's one thing, like, I'm not a nervous person, but I want my mom there. And they did all this stuff, antibacterial washing. The nurses are very sweet. All these doctors came in and talked to me. I asked for pictures, because I wanted pictures. I got the pictures too. They're gross and awesome. And I, I've been looking at stuff and it basically said for like usually, the endometriosis surgery might be like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And I was in there and the surgery was going to start at like 7, 8 a.m. So I'm thinking around 10 o'clock, I'll be up. I woke up at like 2.30 p.m. Sore and hoarse. They told me that my case was so extensive and they did not, they weren't even prepared. Like they, they just didn't know. Even though for, at this point, at the point of when my belly button started hurting was six years. So even before that, I've been having these surgery. I mean, these pains, but they really didn't get it. They thought, I don't know what they thought. I knew it was that extensive because I was feeling it. But they said my, my case was so extensive they couldn't even get it all out without removing like an ovary or something. So they got what they could, which would help me out a lot. So general surgery removed my belly button. OBGYNs removed the endometriosis. Luckily, I did not have to get anything else removed. But they did warn me that they if they saw where they couldn't save like an ovary or something, they would remove it. So it was very, I was, the one thing I was kind of nervous about was waking up and not 
one day having the option to have a kid, even though, you know, one ovary can still have a kid, but you could wake up and they took both. I don't know. Um, but they, they saved, they saved it. And then plastic surgery reconstructed a belly button for me. I was stupid sore. I, they put this gas in your stomach to blow it up so that they can see better. So you're gassy, you're in pain because your stomach is like swollen. But overall, I'm happy because my mom's there. I didn't have this surgery. I'm supposed to feel better. Um, I sneezed at home. It was not cute. If you ever have a stomach surgery, use a pillow and brace your stomach before you sneeze and laugh. I didn't know this. Um, anyway, so it's been, it's about to be two months since the surgery and I'm still not healed completely. Um, my fake belly button is not cute. Uh, it's like an X in stitches. Um, and I, it had to heal from the inside out. So I have to pack it. Um, I feel random pains in my, in my lower stomach. Um, I felt like really bad pain in like my rib cage and come to find out they took like a chunk of something because they thought it was like, I don't know, cancer, but it was endometriosis moving up to like my, it feels like my lung or something. That's what it really felt like. I don't know what it is. I have to go ask him, but um, it was moving, it was spreading. So I'm glad I got the surgery. I, I asked the doctor, would it, well, actually my mom asked, would I be able to have kids? And she said, she don't know, but it might be difficult, maybe, it might not be. She really can't tell for now. I haven't tried. Um, but this is a long way to say like, and I hope I haven't lost y'all, you know, listening, but there really is like a problem with like people hearing us when we say we're in pain. If you're a doctor, like believe, believe people when they say they're in pain, believe people of color. I saw a nursing book uh, somewhere and they talked about how to deal with different races when they say they're in pain. And for black, black people, black women, I think in particular, they said like they can handle pain better. So don't really give them much medicine. And uh, what's that quote? Sure, um, I carry it well, but it doesn't mean it's heavy. I'm, I've been on like 500, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen for most of my life. That's not good. Like listen to, if somebody would have listened to me when my belly button first started hurting, I wouldn't have had to like go through a lot of pain and I would have saved a lot of money on stuff trying to fix it. And, and guys um, or non, 
non-uterus having people. Have a little grace with the uterus having people when that time comes. We're, our, our hormones are all over the place. We're in pain. We're tired. Give us a little grace. I have very, I have very supportive people around me who were understanding and still are. I still can't, I can't pick up anything heavier than a gallon of milk. I'm still on this um, restraint from surgery. Um, but just have grace. People are going through a lot that they don't talk about. I went through this. No one at my job really knew I had surgery because, like I said, I don't have benefits. So I had surgery on Wednesday, and my papers have to be graded by Friday, my online classes. Thursday night, I was grading. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's hard. We're still healing. And I'm learning more. Uh, apparently, endometriosis is a chronic condition. So I'll never be healed. Sorry, I got to take a drink. I'll never be healed. Um, the most I can do is uh, have surgeries and do things to kind of prevent it from growing. One thing I've I've heard helps is CBD oil. I've been trying that because I'm, I'm I'm thoroughly afraid to get like to to do actual weed stuff and get high. I've never I've never been drunk. I've never been high and like afraid. <laughs> I'm gonna be crazy. Like I don't want to be the crazy high person. But maybe maybe I won't be. I don't know. But um, I have been. Louisiana just made it okay to like, or, or more widespread to get a medical marijuana thing. I might actually have to, but I don't like smoke. Uh, so some people are like, oh, you can eat it. But do it taste like it smell? Cause like, I don't like how it smell. I don't know, y'all help me out. I don't know, I don't know about the weeds and the um, devil's lettuce. <laughs> but, um, they say CBD all helps. Um, they say birth control helps. The doctor put me on a new birth control, which I was not thrilled about, but I'm giving it a shot because I don't want to have another surgery. But we'll see. Um, so yeah, chronic illness. A chronic illness is, is something that people just live with. So it can't. I guess it can be annoying to other people, but... Like basically anyone who I'm in their life, they'd have to know that this is something that comes with me. And um, I wish I could give it back, but it's a part of me now. And I think I've, I've survived all this already. So I don't think anything can like knock me down. Like I am 
I'm strong, y'all. Like, I'm really strong. I'm not trying to be, like, have bravado or whatever, but, like, I've been through it for years. I am 33 now, and I started having to miss school in high school. It is 2020, and I graduated in 05. I've been dealing with that pain every month, sometimes more than once a month since then. And it's been getting increasingly worse. Hopefully this, this surgery will be awesome and help me out. Hopefully I won't have to have another one. But uh, I thought it was important to tell my story because once I was about to get the surgery or I had the surgery, a lot of women reached out to me and were like, I had endometriosis. Family members were like, I, if I would have been able to tell a doctor that it was in my family, I probably would have been able to get the help quicker. But women don't talk about it because it's not polite to talk about our periods. Or like when we're in pain, we smile and we, I'm guilty of it. I, I don't want people to know I'm in pain. I've been at work plenty of times. I literally went to work the, the day after surgery. But we need to like talk about it. Men need to know how to recognize this stuff because like the, those people in my family who just never had kids and people are like, oh, it's because of this, this, and this. They literally told me it was because of endometriosis. And a lot of doctors don't know a lot about this. They think maybe it's hereditary, but women's health has not been this big of a deal. Like lately they're learning stuff. But how, if you just, if we're the first generation you're studying about this, how can you know if it's hereditary? But now I'm seeing that my aunt had it, has it. My great aunt has it. It's possible that my, my grandma's mom had it. We, we got a, I was on a Zoom call with some family and one of the family members said they had like a um, panic attack. And my mom got on there and she said, we need to, she said, did you know that somebody in our family also had um, panic attacks? She also said that she went to visit a family member and they had all these pictures up and they were like, oh, who's that? And like three of the people, she was like, oh, that's cousin, blah, blah, blah. Or that's my brother, da, da, he committed suicide. Like three of them had all committed suicide. And she's like, we don't talk about these mental health things because it's not the polite thing to do. And everybody wants to sweep it under the rug like it's an embarrassment. And But then we lose each other. And if we would have talked about it, maybe somebody would be like, this is, I feel this way. And this is something I know how to um, identify it and address it. I need to call for help, blah, 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 blah. But we hide these things. We're trying to show these strength. But it's not, it's not a sign of weakness. And that's what women, like, guys don't want to hear about this. So we don't talk about it. We don't even talk about it with each other that much. But it's like, because I went online and took this picture with this, like, uterus pillow 
that my boyfriend got me that I really wanted. And I said, I had this surgery and so many people were like, I had that too, or my mom has that or, or whatever. And I'm like, what? Because a year ago, when I just had it and wasn't getting the surgery, I couldn't find a friend who, who was suffering like me. I thought I was alone. Something was really wrong with me. And I, I had an aunt who has it. Like, why are we, why don't we talk about this? So, yeah. I'm not going to talk no more. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's, let's talk about that stuff we, we're not supposed to talk about. Or ask ourselves why we're not supposed to talk about it. And it could help. It would have helped me out a lot. And I, that's why I'm saying this. Because maybe somebody's in their bed right now with their keypad on crying. And wondering why, what's wrong with them. And maybe they'll have a better idea from hearing me. I don't know. But that's my story. And yeah.